1: Hello, everyone, and welcome to Fresh Take from What Fresh Hell? Laughing in the face of motherhood. This is Margaret. And this is Amy, and today we're talking to Jill Smokler. She is a New York Times best selling author who became an authentic voice for millions of imperfect moms through her website, Scary Mommy, which Jill launched in 2008. Scary Mommy began as a chronicle of Jill's stay-at-home days with her children and quickly transformed into a vibrant community of women brought together by a common theme, parenting doesn't have to be perfect. In In 2015, Jill sold Scary Mommy to a large media company, and now she's back with She's Got Issues, a podcast for Gen X women focusing on the myriad issues uniting us. Welcome, Jill. Thank you so much for having me. I want to talk a lot
0: about your second act with the podcast, but let's go back and talk first about Scary Mommy and what brought you to found Scary Mommy in the before times. Desperation,
2: total (laughs) and complete desperation. It really was not intended to be anything other than an online diary, something for me to pour myself into. I really didn't know blogging was when I started it. I thought it was just a way another option to those Shutterfly emails that we'd send out you know, to our friends and family. I thought it was just a way for them to have to opt in to see those rather than me bombard them with those. And then I got my first comment from a stranger person and I was like, this is really
0: creepy. Why is somebody else commenting on my family? When following you was a bad thing back in the day. Being followed was not a positive. Exactly. Who is this creeper?
1: (laughs) Totally. Although I had the same feeling, even though You've put your life on the internet for anybody to read. Then, when the stranger says they're reading it, it is always like, What? You know me? Exactly. It's
2: a little disconcerting. But then I clicked over to her, you know, and then I saw her blog role and I started clicking around and reading all of these other people's lives. And I got totally hooked in the mommy blogging world. And from that moment on, I just was obsessed. And I realized quickly on that my experience with motherhood was really limited. And I wanted to bring on other voices and learn about other people and represent more than just me. So I started the Scary Mommy Society after about a year, and I would um, host other people on Tuesdays and Thursdays. And I would guest post on their
0: blogs every Tuesday and Thursday. And that's how it really started to become a community site. It's such a fascinating origin story. So then it starts to grow. And what does that look like as it starts to become a much bigger thing?
2: I'd say the turning point when it really exploded was the confessional. And that was an anonymous place, sort of twitter link. Statement, anonymous, totally anonymous, even to me, statements where people could leave confessions. I thought they would be pretty lighthearted. I left the first probably 50 just to populate <laughs> them. And mine were very much like, my kids had mac and cheese, you know, four nights for dinner. You know, Just generic, just confessions that were authentic and true to me, but nothing super outlandish. But it really brought about just people's deepest confessions and just their thoughts on parenthood and the struggles they went through. And it really opened things up in a way that people weren't willing to when they had their name
1: attached to their stories. I want to say something about that. Jill. I just want to pause on that because I think it's so important. So many of our listeners have little kids, you know, and were a lot younger than us in 2008. And I feel like listening to this now, like you had a place where people could confess their real thoughts, what motherhood was really like. And if you're a mom now with a two-year-old and a baby, like that's literally everywhere and every social media platform all the time but it's like going back and listening to revolver now and be like the beatles were changing like the beatles were really good
0: what a band i just discovered all the music after you were the hip club downtown before anyone that we knew about the hip club downtown before anyone else
1: What I mean is like you listen to Revolver now and it just sounds like popular music, but it's hard to remember that it actually was changing something. So I feel like this really was when you started doing this, Scary Mommy and other places too, like it was sort of for the first time that a lot of this stuff was coming to the surface. It was a really important sea change that has enabled our podcast and everything else that's come after it.
2: Oh, well, thank you. It was definitely a time, much like Instagram now, where people were really putting a very curated face, forward about, you know, it was just an image. And most of the moms out there were putting forward this perfect image of motherhood and parenting, and everybody was in matching outfits. And every time I tried to do that with my kids, they would, you know, just poop on themselves, and ice cream would fall, and there would be tantrums, and everything would fall apart. And I felt like, is this, am I really the only one who this is happening to? And that was, those are sort of the themes of, where what my perspective and the people who I would bring on they were the what united the voices was authenticity and honesty and humor and I didn't want any voices that were alienating and had any amount of judgment and that was sort of the common theme. So the confessional really fed things up. And from that point on, I put out a couple of books. And that was really the prime like 2011, 12, 13. That was the height of Scary Mommy for me. That was why books came out. I started a nonprofit. We had the Thanksgiving projects where we supported families who couldn't afford Thanksgiving dinners, which was amazing and so fulfilling.
0: And Christmas as well, right? You did Christmas. Yeah, Christmas as well. And we ended up partnering with Toys R Us eventually. And I was able to pay. Another thing that we see now a lot of times, right, bloggers and people on the internet turning their audience for good. But again, it's it was very pioneering back then.
2: Mm, Yeah, Thank you. And there were just so many good things. Coming from Scary Mommy. And it was an amazing time. And then 2015 came around. And that was when Facebook started changing, their algorithm started changing, and Instagram really caught steam. And everything just started to feel really out of control. And I
0: sort of started to, it just became too much. Out of control, you mean in terms of managing it as a business prospect, just the volume? Yeah. Exactly. It went from being a project
2: that I loved and something that I felt so passionate about and was fun. And I loved being recognized as Scary Mommy. And I felt so proud of it. And it was just my identity. And I loved it to just something that was draining. And I was working on all the time. And I couldn't keep up with and it was just page views and business and managing. And I just was out of my realm of comfort completely. So it really just became too much. And that's when I opted out. So you sold Scary Mommy. And tell us about that. I sold Scary Mommy in a way that I would not do in retrospect. Uh, It was definitely a learning experience. Like I said, I was really just so burnt out. And I had a very innocent interview. At the time, he had just put out a third book to benefit the nonprofit. And I was doing an interview with this media company who was just starting this website to promote it. And the man who owned it, I had made an offhanded comment about just being exhausted and needing to just retire. And he said, well, I happen to be looking to acquire a parenting site. Are you really serious? And I was like... <laughs> I'm looking (laughs) to dump a parenting site. Are you serious? And from then on, it happened really quickly. It was about a month. And I did not shop it around. We started talking around Thanksgiving. I sold it over Christmas break. And it just felt like this was the perfect out at the perfect time. And I thought it would be I thought it would keep Scary Mommy very authentic and consistent with what I had built. And that was my biggest concern. I actually several years ago had had a conversation with a different parenting company and slightly larger one and was completely turned off to selling it to that type of thing. So I felt like this I was comfortable with. And so I sold it. And for the first year, it was so much fun. I went to New York twice a week. I felt like in a winter, I, you know.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Right. And how old were your kids at this time? Where were you in your own parenting journey amidst all of this?
2: My kids at this time were like 10, 12-ish, 14-ish. So it was tough. But Jeff, my ex-husband now, took the reins. And, you know, we just sort of we dealt with it. But it was not an easy time for that. And so while I was sort of thriving at work, home life was definitely suffering.
0: And then you, at the end of this period of being at Scary Mommy, having sold it, you're working kind of for underneath Scary Mommy, you ended up leaving Scary Mommy. Yeah, leaving Scary Mommy was really abrupt. And basically, in a nutshell,
2: I... Pretty much aged out of the persona of Scary Mommy, or so that was what the (laughs) higher-ups believed. believed. So I sort of was either, I was given the choice of taking a sort of backseat image-wise and not being the face of Scary Mommy or not finding another role at the company. And I was so offended by that, that I just quit. And it was really abrupt. And I felt really empowered by that move because I was just so offended and insulted and exhausted. And I, my mental health and physical health had been suffering. The travel had just accumulated. And the kids, everything had just, you know, peaked at its exhaustion. I was at the same point where I had been two years before. Ironically, it was like exactly at the two-year point. And I felt like I was just going to crack. And so I quit. And I felt great for like two days. And then I woke up the like third or fourth or whatever day. And I was like, what did I do?
0: (laughs) That was my whole life. (laughs) That was everything. And I want to pause there because I think that when we come back, we're going to talk a little bit about the aftermath of that, which is really interesting to me. We're talking to Jill Smokler and we'll be right back.
1: Margaret, exciting news. I am about to have a new baby nephew. And believe it or not, this will be my 13th nephew. Amy, you're ready to give up your amateur status. You're a pro (laughs) aunt at this point. Our family has seen a lot of babies. And as soon as they start standing or walking, I send them all a whole lot of Pampers Cruisers 360. Pampers Cruisers 360
0: don't have ordinary diaper tabs. Instead, they have a unique 360-degree stretchy waistband that moves with your newly
1: mobile little one. Pampers Cruisers 360 offer a gap-free fit that is up to 100% leak-proof, crucial once your baby is quite literally up and atom, And that gap-free fit helps prevent your baby from taking off their diaper, a habit you do not want them to get into.
0: You can say that again. And Pampers Cruisers 360 just got even better with a new blowout barrier? Need we even elaborate on the need for that, friends? For Trusted Protection Trust, Pampers, the number one pediatrician recommended brand.
1: Download the Pampers Club app today and earn Pampers cash. Then redeem your Pampers cash for exclusive Pampers coupon savings and rewards. Only redeemable via Pampers Club. Pampers cash has no cash value. Amy, you
0: know me well enough to know that my daily power breakfast is... So you've built Scary Mommy from this tiny seed to this, whatever the metaphor is, giant oak tree. And I feel like having known you and your story kind of back in the day, from the outside, all of us who had small blogs and were going to conferences and trying to make stuff happen, we're like, oh, she did it. She grabbed the brass ring. She did the thing that everybody wants to do. You build something, you sell it. It's very successful. And then... It reminds me a little bit in in hearing more about your story through the podcast that it's like, have you seen Into the Woods, the musical? It's like the first act ends and it's like, and happily ever after. And there it is. And from the outside, I feel like that's what we saw of your story, right? Like she did it. It's check mark and scene. But you kept going on and you found yourself not in that place. So as we pick up your story, talk to us. And I think for a lot of women who... You know, were lawyers, doctors had big careers. So many of my friends were in magazine publishing and they found themselves like, OK, you're home with kids and you're too old. Don't come back. And a lot of people in midlife have found themselves in this place of like my first act kind of rocked. And now I'm a little bit adrift and my kids are getting older and don't like me that much.
1: P.S. That decision maker, in many cases, is not a woman and not a mother deciding that you are not the right look for woman or motherhood anymore. And at the same time, I
2: had a husband who came out of the closet and that really shook up my personal life. And at the same time as the um,
0: that's an extra complicating factor. In the
2: story. Yeah, that was a fun little cherry on top. So, yeah, when I woke up from that joyful haze of post scary mommy and realized I had no structure, no. You know, at that point, really, all of my close friends were in some way, shape or form associated with Scary Mommy because I would either right I'd been working with them for so long or I brought them in or whatever. And it was so painful to talk to them that I just it was a very surreal time. I had to I was in a new house because we had to sell, you know, our, quote, marital house. So it was just everything was completely New. It was a real act two. And it wasn't an act two that I felt rejuvenated and excited about. It was an act two that I felt like. Where the fresh hell am I? I don't recognize any of this. Like, I feel like I've been
0: planted in this weird universe. And yeah, it feels like in our metaphor, it was almost like an intermission, like an intermission where the theater was on fire. I'm trying to figure out what the metaphor would be, but like it was not a, Mm -hmm. it wasn't quite the act two because it wasn't like I'm moving into something new.
1: It was just this pause. Act two of Into Mm -hmm. the Woods gets worse and worse and worse and worse. (laughs) And then it starts to get better at the end. But there's a lot of, the giant keeps killing people in act We like to get extremely lost in our metaphors. We like to have 10 (laughs) metaphors going and we're like, wait a minute, if you're
0: at Into the Woods and the theater is on fire. And yes, but we understand that this was this period. Yeah, it just kept feeling like rock bottom to rock
2: bottom to rock bottom. And Mm. it was two years of really working through what I had dealt with. I was diagnosed bipolar and it took a long time to get my medication straight and sort of put myself Mm. back together again because I really just feel like I cracked and it was the result of so many years of stress and accumulation that I just couldn't fix myself in a week or a couple months it took that long and it was right before COVID that I finally felt like I had my bearings and I was set to like I was ready with she's got issues and I um, was ready to sort of roll it out and then COVID started and it was like oh Geez, this is, here we go again.
0: So then it was just another two years. (laughs) Just another kick in the pants. Now, did you feel that disconnect? that you had been high profile, successful. I think that the acquisition of Scary Mommy had been, you know, the story kind of was like, this was a great thing. And it had gone really well. Did you feel that disconnect about you were feeling very kind of adrift, but maybe people saw you as like, oh, she had this huge success story? Completely. And yeah, it was very surreal, because at the time, that was all true. That's it. Because it wasn't not true. I mean, you did have this huge success, but it wasn't quite happily ever after in that way. Exactly. And I couldn't really talk about that at the time. I
2: went from really, you know, enjoying that and you know, loving speaking at the conferences and loving doing interviews and, and podcasts and whatever, just really enjoying the spotlight to a degree to just wanting to hide and for two years barely getting out of bed and I mean, I would with my therapist literally be in her office and she'd be working with me to like dial the number of the optometrist to make an eye doctor appointment because I was like, I couldn't even like do the most basic ridiculous tasks. So it went from such extremes to the other, you know, one extreme to the other. But yeah, it was very, yeah, that element of, you know, sort of being in the public eye is very strange.
1: Can we talk about being bipolar and parenting during this time? I mean, you needed to work on yourself. You're the mother of three kids. And I'm imagining at least some of the time you had them on your own. How did you manage all that?
2: Yeah, it was a lot. And it was scary for them. They have definitely been along for the ride. And there's a lot of talk in our house about mental health and medication. And, you know, they are very attuned into me and know that I need to take care of myself. Yeah, it hasn't been easy. And knowing that, you know, there's more of a likelihood that they are, you know, that they will be affected. And, you know, either by that, or in some way with mental health issues is tough. But I think the most I can do is just be very communicative about it. And
0: yeah, hope that they are as well with me. And let's talk about the journey out of that to where we are lost in our metaphor. Let's call it your act three that's coming up. That I think there are so many women who you have extraordinary circumstances in several different categories, but your basic story of finding yourself kind of lost in early midlife with kids and having had this extreme success and now being home and feeling adrift. You talked about obviously working with a therapist, but what does it look like for you to start moving from that place to where you are now for people who are there now?
2: Hmm. It looks like effort. It looks like putting in a lot of effort every day. It looks like I have to make myself see friends, even though I know I like them. I know I enjoy them and they fuel me. It's still an effort. It's very much in my I default to depression and to just staying in bed and retreating. And it's I look at my act three, and I realize how much of my life I even though with scary mommy, I was very public in certain ways, there was still so much of my private, private life that I kept like super secret and at the detriment of my health, my physical health, my mental health. And for act three. I cannot do that to myself. So I need to open up to friends, to family. And that's really how I'm looking at Actory.
1: That's so interesting, because you were running this huge parenting site, right? That was about sort of bearing yourself and not just you, but everybody who came there, everybody who contributed, it's about this is who I really am. And yet you felt like there were parts of yourself that you were not sharing to the detriment of your mental health. Like this is in this moment of what we think of is like, we're all sharing everything. We're all hanging out our dirty laundry. There were still things that you can't tell anyone. I mean, that's not, of course there were, but that's a surprise to me to, to hear it now.
2: Well, there was one part. There was
0: how very dysfunctional my marriage was. But yes, there was that part. I think everybody, because I do think we're now in the era, we talk about it so much on the podcast and people talk about it as like, everyone's, we've gotten over the thing where we have to hide our real lives and we can share with people and there's all these sites and all this stuff that grew fundamentally out of Scary Mommy, but that nobody's doing that really. Everybody is still has secrets. Everyone still has things in their lives that are more difficult than like... Whatever they might be sharing, everybody has things where they feel like failures or there's something really deep that they're not going, even if they seem like they're out there on Facebook being like, here's everything about my family and what's going on with my kids. Everybody's doing that thing where there's secrets.
2: And that's what I am hoping with Act Three to introduce and to incorporate into my own life and the lives of people around me, because that's exactly it. And if I had opened up to even a single person in my life about what was going on in the most intimate relationship in my life, the way everything subsequently unfolded would have been entirely different. And, you know, it's very hard to look back and some things happened in a good way and some things in a bad way. But it's all about Opening up because you just can't process everything. I mean, I didn't, I spent years just talking to therapists about just surface things. <laughs> it's so ridiculous when they think about it, like paying people by the hour just to be like, isn't so pretty out like I saw a rainbow the other day it was so
0: nice <laughs> <laughs> so ridiculous I saw a really funny tweet that said I know my therapist is like I hope today's a gossip day not a trauma day and it's like <laughs> right you're just hoping they come in and talk about the birds and like <laughs> stay away from the real stuff exactly exactly I want to take a break and talk about act three and where this is all going next with Jill Smuggler. we'll be right back
1: More and more, you hear about the importance of electrolytes as part of staying hydrated because you need the sodium and the potassium, not just the water. And whether you're looking to hydrate during a workout while traveling or at the end of a long night, sports research hydrate electrolytes have got you covered with over 65 trace minerals, seven essential vitamins and coconut water powder. Crisp and refreshing and without any sugar,
0: this is hydration powered by Sports Research. They're little packets you can just grab and take with you to mix into your water bottle on the go. My favorite flavor so far, Amy, gotta be the cherry pomegranate.
1: fresh for 50% off your hydrate electrolytes order. So we're talking to Jill Smokler, and we want to talk now about your new podcast, She's Got Issues. What did you want to explore when you started this podcast?
2: I wanted to, to explore my issues, my plethora of issues. I felt like Scary Mommy explored everything I was facing at that time, and She's Got Issues will explore what I'm dealing with now and what my hopefully scary mommy friends and community have grown along with me and what they're experiencing now as well. You know, changing relationships, aging parents, menopause, just all of the stuff that we have coming, that we're going through. It's just all the stuff that we aren't talking about enough that we need to be preparing for and that we can, um,
0: learn more from each other. And I think it is really interesting. We have listeners who are, as Amy said, young. We are what we like to call hashtag oldie locks. So we've been there through it all. I think so useful for parents of younger kids, and I mean, people tell us that this is what we provide, is that the view from the future a little bit. Like we remember it. We could talk about what it was like to potty train, but we can also provide a little bit of perspective of where we are Now, which is kind of where this is all going, which I think for parents of young kids, I just remember sitting with young babies and watching the World Series and being like, how are those people at a baseball game? They must not have children. Like, I could not imagine a world that was not just like painful breastfeeding bottles and never sleeping.
1: But we weren't talking about, we just did an episode on mom rage, you know, a couple of weeks ago, and both of us were very forthcoming in that episode about very regrettable moments in our own parenting that were brought on by exhaustion and overwhelm that we weren't telling our friends about when 15 years ago when those things happened, but now we can talk about them on a podcast. So I guess that's why it is useful. This is why even moms whose kids are still little can still learn from the stories that your guests are sharing.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And why it's valuable to listen to people in their, you know, 60s talk about this period in their lives. We definitely have a lot to learn from each other. And I've definitely learned at this point in my life that I had no idea what I was doing 10, you know, 5, 10,
0: 2, whatever years
2: ago. So it's all yeah. a
0: learning process. And that I think with the Value of perspective, not to be too precious with it. Like, it's not as scary as you think. Like, that's kind of the perspective. I think that, like, I once got so mad at my kid that I pulled his arm and dislocated his elbow. I would never have said that to anyone at the time. Right, exactly. At the time, right. I was like, this is the most shameful thing that's ever happened. I had to take my child to the ER because of an injury I gave him, right? Like, At the time, that was my darkest secret. Of course, I went to the ER and was like, oh, I was barely holding his hand. I can't imagine. He pulled away. Like, I didn't tell anybody what really happened. It's so relatable. And looking back 12 years later, I'm like, you know what? I have a temper. And I had to recognize in myself that I was a little bit dangerous around my kids when I was really, really angry. And I had to put in safeguards around that. And like... I could have never said that to myself at the time. I could have never said that to people out loud. And so talk to us a little bit about like other topics. I know you're talking about friendship. What are some of the topics that you've gotten into on the podcast that have been really meaningful for you?
2: We've talked about the evolution of friendship. We have an episode um, coming up about straight spouses, which is very interesting. I'm talking to my friend, Kristen, whose husband came out of the closet after they were divorced, and she talks a lot about coming to terms with that, which was really interesting for me to hear her perspective. So it's really just me one-on-one with people who who have faced an issue that I'm interested in hearing about that I think other people would be intrigued with as well.
1: And how do you think this is different? Like, how does this turn the wheel from where we all were in 2008 with Blogs, and you know what? I'm going to tell the truth for once. How does that enable what you're now doing with this new format?
2: Well, I look at it as a very similar thing. I look at it sort of as Scary Mommy 2.0. What Scary Mommy is now is something unrecognizable to me. It's a really kind of dumbed down, trashed up (laughs) version of what I started and what I was so proud of. So I'm trying to start something that kind of mimics. What Scary Mommy was at the beginning, in terms of the community and the core people, and just what, what really brought us together, but with the issues that we're facing now instead. But really, just rooted around, you know, our for our kids, our striving to find meaning and uh, careers that we love, and you know, way to find fulfilling relationships and connect with people, and just all the stuff that we need to try to find what we want in life.
0: How do you see, do you feel at this point in your journey as we're talking to people maybe who are starting out there in those younger phases? Like, you've had a very unique journey through it. But what do you see? What are the lessons that you're hearing and visiting now that are useful to people who are, you know, maybe 15 years behind us in this journey?
2: Definitely to open up. I think that is just the first and foremost, obviously, is just to be open about how hard things are and your struggles and depend on other people and recognize that nobody, regardless of how easy it looks like other people are having it, nobody is. This is not... Parenthood is not easy for anybody. And... You just need to find the people who are willing to admit that. And they are out there, whether they're in your neighborhood, whether they're in your, you know, play groups, or whether you seek them out online, they're there, you just need to find them. Because you're not the only parent who has dislocated your kid's arm, you know, because they're not listening to you. You're not the only parent who is, you know, who is hidden in the closet and screamed because you just are so frustrated with your kid, you're not the only one who has, you know, slammed the door and left the house and, you know, gone to your neighbor's side, whatever, you're not the only one who's done anything. And you just need to always remember that. So that's what I would
0: come back to again and again. I think that's right. And I think your story is so interesting in that journey, having had this like huge kind of public success and then revisiting your story through the lens of like, where am I and how does this work? And I do want to say to our audience, we're all kind of public people and talking about this publicly. This doesn't mean start a blog about the most difficult, shameful thing that's happening in your life. This can be a conversation that just happens between a trusted friend. I mean, it doesn't mean putting yourself. Out there publicly, but just any kind of connection and listening to podcasts and listening, you hear strains of your own story. And I think that can be like the rope down the rabbit hole sometimes for people.
1: Or the way out. You know, it can be extremely validating to say, oh my God, like I saw this and it makes me feel better. That's our hope when we share difficult things on the podcast that that's going to help somebody find help or at least know she's less alone. Like the shame out of it.
2: Exactly. Realizing you are not alone is the key to everything, I feel like. I mean, that just opens everything up.
0: Yeah. And the idea that you going back to like the confessionals and how it began there, like the idea that there is something so bad in you or in your life, or in your marriage, or in your parenting, that it will be something that others you to other people and that there's no possibility for connection is something that I do think this conversation helps to take away. That like, you're not as bad as you think, you know, there's nothing so bad that somebody can't relate to and connect to you.
1: Jill, tell us where we can find She's Got Issues. You can listen to She's
2: Got Issues anywhere you listen to your podcasts and you can follow it at She's Got Issues Media on
0: Instagram. Great. And we will link to you at jillsmokler.com, correct? Awesome. That would be great. And to the podcast. We always make our guests easy to find for our listeners in our show notes. And Jill, thanks so much for talking to us. This was a great conversation.
2: Thank you guys so much for having me. Thanks, Jill.